Hello, this is Kevin McMullen, Senior Pastor of Independence Christian Center. Thanks for joining us as we break the bread of life today. Our prayer is that your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ is strengthened by this word. God bless you. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to look at Mark chapter 10. We're not going to have tons and gangs of scripture tonight. Uh, yeah, we are. Okay, moving along. Mark chapter 10, and uh, if you'd like to turn to that, we're going to be starting a new series tonight. <clears throat> uh, it's one that I did several, well, quite a few years ago, um, and calls out to be reworked and, and brought up to speed, and, um, and I, it's called Rich Christians. Rich Christians. Now, I... I Entitled it that because several years ago, like maybe 20 or more, um, I remember Kenneth Hagin saying that, you know, when somebody from Oklahoma says the other day, it could have been 30 years ago. And that's true. Uh, and I'm from Oklahoma. But uh, I use that provocative title because there was, there, uh, like I said, three decades ago or so, I think it was like in the late 70s, there was a book entitled Rich Christians in an Age of Hunger. And there is always the balance between, you know, wealth and good works and, you know, what do you do and, you know, are we supposed... There are churches, believe it or not, that believe you, that you should not have, that, or they as a church should not have a reserve fund, that they should operate just right on the cutting edge. We do not operate that way, by the way. Um, the, uh, the, that we, you know, that that's what you, we, you should do. You should, you know, walk by faith. Well, I'm, you know, again, we looked at Jesus and he said over, and I think it's Luke 22. He said, when I sent you out without, you know, an extra pair of sandals or, you know, but just a staff, you no money belt, you lack nothing. Did you? And they said, no, nothing. He said, but now I say to you, he who has a purse, take one, you know? And so it, and, uh, you know, it's one of these things where there, some people think that if you're going to be a Christian, you can't be rich. And if you're, and, or you shouldn't be rich. And if you're rich, you can't really be a Christian. And so we're going to be going through and we're going to be turning over all the little rocks and all this kind of stuff over the next probably three months looking at this because it's getting real around us right now. And in fact, uh, organizations and think tanks and, uh, that I have followed for years for whom I have a great deal of respect and in whom I have a great deal of confidence are saying this year it's, it's going to get away from them. That the, the Federal Reserve, which by the way is the problem, not, it's not the solution and they're going to lose control and things are going to get wild in the economy. Has anybody gone to buy groceries lately? Has anybody been over to the gas pump lately? And so it's, you know, it's, it's, it's getting rather brutal. And we're going to talk about that within the scheme of the end times a little bit tonight. I want to kind of lay the foundation for it. We're not going to be talking through the next few weeks so much about those things. What we're going to be doing is we're going to be, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we're going to be seeing what the scripture says. There's a lot of misunderstanding about that. People saw, see, you know, think Jesus was some itinerant penniless preacher that Paul, you know, had nothing, you know, et cetera. And I'm, we will go through the scriptures and prove that those things are not true. And that, you know, he is, Jesus is our example. Paul says, you know, follow me as I follow Jesus, etc. And so, you, you know, I want to, but I do want to use this, this passage. Mark chapter 10, begin with verse 17. And as he, meaning Jesus, was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Okay, first of all, that's the question. It's not how do I live, what do I do to inherit eternal life. You know, the, this passage is misinterpreted a great deal. And if people would just read the text, it would help them a lot. And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one's good except God alone. He's looking for a response there. Who do you think that I am? You know the, the commandments. 
Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he said to him, teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth up. And then in another gospel, it adds the, 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 the words that he said, what am I still lacking? So here is someone who has been faithful to be a doer of the, the who has walked according to the commandments and is spiritual enough in his heart to know there's still something lacking. And he said to him, and looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him and said, one thing you lack, go and sell all you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Now, most people, when they think about treasure in heaven, and we're going to cover this, they think that is for the next life, that that is rewards in heaven. It doesn't say rewards in heaven. It says treasure in heaven. Jesus uses that word. It's the word from which we get our word thesaurus, actually, over in Matthew chapter 6. And it does not mean that they are resources that are unavailable to us until after we die. But this young fellow did not bother to ask him what he meant. He just said, he heard the words, sell all you have. And it says, and he was, but at these words, he was saddened. And he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. And Jesus, looking around, said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were gobsmacked at his words. Why? Because they were Jewish. They had been taught that if you will keep the commandments and you will walk with, with, with Yahweh and you will be pleasing to him, that Yahweh would bless you financially and physically in every other way, which this fellow obviously was. And then when Jesus Remember, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That was the question. And he says, how hard it is to, you know, for them, uh, for the wealthy, you know, the uh, rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were gobsmacked at his words. But Jesus answered and said to them again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God in that's. That's from the, some of the seals, the older manuscripts. Some of the younger ones that, that have really good attestation add that Jesus said there how hard it is for those who trust in riches. And whether you think that those who trust in riches is authentic in the text here or not, that is the meaning. That's what he's saying. How hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. There is only one thing you can do to enter the kingdom of God, and that is believe in him who God sent. And, when, and, and see, believing isn't just lip service. It means being all in. We've got a modern church that thinks that, that, you know, that just saying it with your mouth is enough. And that when God starts talking, but that God places no requirements. It was in that book, The Shack. I never put uh, requirements. I never put stipulations on anybody. What Bible are you reading? God does have expectations of us. And it's why his grace comes, why his grace comes to us to enable us to walk with him, to enable us to, to grow into the men and women he desires us to be, the saints. Everybody say Amen. And then he goes on to say, then they were even more astonished. And he said to them, well, they said to him, well, then who can be saved? And looking at them, Jesus said, with people, it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. And Peter began to say to him, well, look, we've left everything uh, and followed you. Well, so now Peter's saying, well, wait a minute now, you told him to leave everything he had, behind, you know, and, and set, give it to the poor and follow you. We've left everything and followed you. And Jesus said to him, I say to you, there are, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake. 
and for the gospel's sake, but that he shall receive a hundred times as much now. Everybody say in the present age. Okay, now that can come to us many ways. That doesn't mean that, you know, we're going to be, that it's all going to be a big check. All right. Uh, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms along with persecutions. That's the part we all believe for right there. All right. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. When it comes to wealth, and I'm going to discuss about how things are in our world right now. When it comes to wealth, I had a, the, the, a deacon at the very first church I ever pastored and the only other church I've ever pastored. And he said in one of our meetings that there is a nerve that goes from the human mind directly to the wallet. And he said, oftentimes, he said, I have observed as people were being baptized that the wallet came out and stayed above the water. How many of you know what he meant by that? Then there's another old uh, preacher's joke that says, I've got good news, bad news, and bad news. The good news is we have more than enough uh, money to pay off the building or recarpet the whole building or repaint the whole building or put in a new parking lot, whatever it is. Here's the bad news. It's still in your pocket. Well, you know, by the way, we've already taken the offering so you can relax. <laughs> what we're talking about is the attitude of the world. This man had the attitude of the world. I don't preach on money very much. I mean, yeah, I do the little vignette every Sunday before we take up the offering. But, you know, the fact of the matter is the last days, Paul said, people would be obsessed with money. And we're there. You know, uh, you know in fact, let's uh, take a look here at, at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. But realize this, that in the last days, fierce, savage, hard to endure, which is a better rendering of chalapoi than that, the word difficult, times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious, gossips without self-control, brutal, haters of good, reckless, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to something that looks like spirituality, but rejecting the real thing. That's what he's saying there. Avoid such men as these. I want you, you, know, I, I want you to look at this. He says, savage, difficult to endure, times will come. What's the very first word in verse 2? Four, because men will be lovers of self, lovers of money. Lovers of money is nothing but a restatement of lover of self. The world system is about me, 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 me. Numero uno. Me. Get all you can get, get, and what is it? Get all you can get and can all you get. Amen. It has corrupted our culture and our government beyond recognition. The very structures of our culture today have become corrupted by the love of money. If you feel like you are living in a world where, you know, we, we grew up with the American dream being that you can have, you know, the, the, the house with the picket fence and, and your children would excel your, you, that their future would be greater uh, financially than your own and that they would stand on your shoulders and that you would leave a legacy behind and all those things. And yet today you feel like, no, the deck is stacked against me in that area and that somehow Every, you know, it is rigged. You are not wrong. It is. But God. Amen. But God. We're going to get to that. The elites of our planet, and when I say elites, read ultra rich, in the last two years have gotten demonstrably richer. If you've, you can read it, this has been published. It is not, not up for dispute, people. Billion, there's a lot more billionaires and the billionaires have become multi-billionaires yet the American middle class has been crushed and public policy 
has, uh, has socialized or has uh, made, uh, made the risk that of the, the taxpayer and has, you know, but has privatized the profit. We've put a lot of hard working when Jackson County and New York and Los Angeles and, and other places locked down our, uh, our, you know, our, 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 our economy and closed businesses and picked winners and losers. An awful lot of people not only got thrown out of work, they lost their life's work. They lost, their, they lost everything. Stimmy checks were supposed to take care of everything, you know, and you can go out to FRED, which is the chart FRED, that's the Federal Reserve Education, and you can see how people's savings rates peaked during those periods of time. Now, with inflation, those savings rates are back below where they were before the uh, pandemic started. All right? And so people are maintaining their lifestyle by running up the bills on their credit cards. That is not an accident. Our whole system, going back to 1971, when our money became no longer linked to anything that was real, but just full faith and credit, it is, is, is about making people debt slaves. Are you hearing me? God doesn't want you to be a debt slave. But the world, the flesh, what is it? The lust of the eyes, the lust of the, of the, of the, you know, the lust of the, the lust of the eyes, the uh, lust of the flesh, the boastful pride of life, cause people to not be able to say no. I tell the story about how years and years and years and years ago, my wife and I were driving down Nolan Road, and you know, Nolan Road is used used to be, it still is, the repository of all the car dealerships. I think all the car dealers, I'm not sure if there are any other new car dealerships in, in Independence anywhere. I, you know, but Nolan Row, they're all there. I mean, you, you can buy anything. And as we were going down through there, there was an IROC Z28. This was back in this, in, this would have been an early 80s or late 80s, middle, middle 880s model. IROC Z28 Camaro there. And I saw that car and I thought, oh, it was used. It wasn't brand new. And so I, you know, I pulled over. And, and, and Kathy said, what are you doing? I said, I want to drive that car. And I, she said, you know, you, you understand. You know, insert eye roll here. And so salesman comes out and, you know, gets to talking with us and everything. And I'm looking at this car. And he says, you want to take her for a drive? Is the Pope Roman Catholic? You know, and so he brings out the keys. To, he said, well, I need your driver's license before you drive off. I'm not going with you. I need your driver's license. Well, anyway, we take it out and drive it around. I mean, this thing was beautiful. It had a, a five or a six-speed manual tranny. I don't remember what it was. It had the uh, T-tops, and the T-tops were off of it because it was a really pretty day and all of this. And we're zipping around, you know, and everything, burning their gas. It's just, I mean, it couldn't get any better. And, you know, so we pulled back into the uh, the lot and I, we were probably gone twenty minutes and I and we pulled back into the lot and he comes bouncing out there and he has run a credit check on me and he, he has everything filled out all I got to do is sign and drive away I mean they they can even bind the insurance on it they've got it all I mean slicker and snot on a moss covered rock and. You know, I'm, I'm thinking, how easy would it be? How easy is it to get into debt because you can't tell yourself no? I remember one preacher one time talking about, have you ever been going through your drawers and you pull out something and you, you, know, you, uh, you look in, into the drawer and there's something that you bought on credit years ago and forgot you even had? Maybe you never even used it. The fact is, you know, I could go on about how the, the, the system is rigged and how the powers that be are taking great advantage of it to enrich themselves at the expense of the, the general population. But there's no sense in, in camping on that. Just rest assured that it was exactly that kind of thing that got Judah in trouble 
with God during the days of Jeremiah and Ezekiel as they heaped up for themselves. We've been told by the World Economic Forum at the Great Reset, and that's what they called it, and you're hearing that a lot now, you will own nothing and be happy. Well, who will own it? They will. All right. Well, that just sounds like a really good system to me, doesn't it to you? You know, money and, you know, they want, they want the whole world to be debt slaves. Why? Because money, finance, wealth are all at the heart of the world system. And that system is the enemy. In fact, look here with me at Revelation 13. If you don't believe it, Revelation 13. And he, meaning the false prophet, causes all the small and the great and the rich and the poor and the freemen and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And he provides that no one will be able to buy or sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now, whatever you may conceive the mark of the beast to be. Well, I don't even want to talk about that. What I want to draw your attention to is what it controls. It controls commerce. It controls money. It controls business. This tells me that the enemy is working overtime to set up a system to enslave everyone he possibly can. The world, you know, you know, in the world system, they say getting rich is good. It's the, in fact, they say it's the ultimate good. Why is that? Because money is power. When you have money, you can do things that you can't do when you don't have money. Um, I heard, I don't know this, I haven't read this myself, but I've heard that some uh, tickets for the conference championship against uh, Cincinnati this, this coming Sunday uh, are trading for like six and seven thousand dollars a piece. Well, if you don't have six thousand dollars, you do not have the power to make one of those yours. But if you have lots of money, we have a lot of what it takes to get along. You have to be old enough to remember that. Uh, then you can make that. In fact, in this church, long, long ago, there was a couple that he had, the, the, the young man of the couple, had received a substantial hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars from, um, I think it was his grandmother. I, I don't remember precisely who it was. And every single Sunday that the chiefs, were out of town. They would, I mean, if the chiefs kicked off at, at, at noon, they would leave the service by 1130, whether it was done or not. Then when we went to two services, they just came to eat in the morning service. But if the chiefs were playing out of town, they weren't there. Why? Because they flew to every away game. I mean, now that's consecration, right? And they did, well, I wouldn't say consecration, maybe dedication would be a better word. And they did that until it was all gone. Now, I wouldn't call that wisdom. You know, it's like, well, we, you know, but they had the power until it ran out, until the battery went flat. They had the power to do that. That spirit of Antichrist has been, that is funneling everything toward me, myself, and I Enriching. And it, let me tell you something. We discovered that it can corrupt science. Is that right? You know, it can corrupt the medical world. It can, it can corrupt. I mean, if, you knew, if you've read some of the things that are, that are done in the medical industry vis-a-vis -vis the latest problems we've been having, it's, it's abominable Amen. some of the things that they've done. And why? Because it's all because of of money. Why? Because the enemy wants to control everything. For the Antichrist spirit, money, wealth, and power must be consolidated. It must be damned up and in control 
of as few people as possible. And further, that control will be jealously guarded. And anyone who is a threat will be canceled, will be censored. You stick to the narrative or we will shut you up. Amen. Or you won't get your grant. There's a lot of crises out there that are purely manufactured. I'll, be just, I'll just tell you right now. Uh, climate change is one of them. Amen. It's a lie. It's a hoax. Amen. You know, it's an inconvenient truth. We were told by Mr. Gore, what, 25, 30 years ago, that our children would never see snow. My children have seen lots of snow. In fact, I believe the snow depth and the, the amount of snow that's on the North American continent right now is at a record, record level. And the cold they're seeing in lots of places is off the charts. All right, so there's a two-pronged attack here. Let's bring it back. The enemy wants to get us in one ditch or the other about money, about wealth. Either he'll get us into the ditch with the world, that we're chasing at that above all else, or uh, we will recoil from it, misunderstanding the scripture, and say, you know, I don't, I don't want any money. You know, just, just barely enough to get by because it's filthy. If you touch it, it contaminates you. It contaminates everything. The you know, where it says money is the root of all evil. The Bible does not say that. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. And so one of the things that God has been doing in these last few years is training people how to be mature enough to have it without it having them. Why? God's got some work to do. Amen. The living water is free, but the pipes that bring it to people do cost something. I mean, we just saw God provide so uh, marvelously two years ago when we got locked down and we had to go, um, you know, online and we, you know, we said, well, what are we going to do? And there were churches that were broadcasting using an iPhone, you know, and if that's all you can do, fine. But the Lord started providing resources and we were able to get decent cameras, decent switching equipment and all of that. And here we are, we're upgrading again with our, our platform because, and that all costs money. We, we had to, we had to pay $2,100 just to get on that platform for a year so that that cool little app that should be available within the next 10 days or so and Apple TV and Roku and, you know, Amazon Fire or wherever else we're going to be, you know, to be able to do those things. Why? Because those companies that provide those things don't do so for free because they cannot do so for free. It costs them money to operate and they got to pay their people. How many of you follow me here? There is it, you know. And so, every, you know, so many people are looking for something for free. One important fact. You get, my mama used to tell me, Kevin, you get what you pay for. And that continues to be, well, actually, not anymore. <laughs> you know, sometimes you pay for more than you get. <laughs> All right. You know, and we, we cannot, we can't get in the, in the ditch where we're chasing money. And we can't get in the ditch where we absolutely refuse to receive it. Because neither one of those approaches, neither one of those attitudes is biblical. There is much understanding and much, much uh, assumption in the church. Yes, part of the church has definitely joined the world in a great many ways. I do not deny that. And there have been money-grubbing Christians, including preachers, since day one. And that they're in it for the cash. They're in it for the money. They're in it, you know, they're not, you know, they don't care about you, me, anybody but themselves. And all that is, is a wolf in sheep's clothing. I understand that. But you know what? Just because there is someone like that doesn't mean that everyone is like that. And because of all this noise out there about this, you know, we had the prosperity teaching that came forth, you know, from the faith movement starting, yeah, I guess you could say in the 70s. And it really peaked and it got, it got way out of hand. I mean, it just, it did. It just got way out of hand. And no less um, a father of the faith, faith movement as Ken, than Kenneth Hagin called a bunch of, the, of the, the preachers that were big in that together and said, guys, you know, this is, this is getting out of control. You guys are, you are taking it too far. He even wrote a book, The Midas Touch, 
that was trying to bring the reins in on that and try to make it biblical to get it out of one ditch or get it out of this ditch. And we, how many of you remember hearing, you know, there, in fact, this one fellow and I could name him, but it wouldn't do any good, serve any purpose here, wrote a book called The Wealth of the Wicked, Yours for the Taking. And they would talk about the end time transfer of wealth and how the wealth of the wicked was saved up for the righteous and it was all coming to us. Well, here's the thing. There is a little bit of truth in that. There is, and we're, we're already beginning to see it, but not like we are going to. But what happens is you can take a truth and you can take it out of bounds and stretch it out of proportion so that you can raise a better offering with it. If you'll give tonight, the Lord shows me that if you'll give tonight, if you'll give your rent money, if those of you who are living in an apartment, living in rented quarters, if you will just, if you will put your rent money in, God is going to see that sacrifice and he is going to bless you. You know what? You have not ever heard anything like that from this pulpit and you will never will because Jeff will tackle whoever tries to say that. I use Jeff because he's bigger than most of us. <laughs> All right. The fact is that, you know, the enemy wants to get us into the ditch. He wants to dam up as much uh, uh, wealth as he possibly can. But if we are broke, there's nothing we can do. I mean, we'd see a need and go, I don't have anything. God doesn't want you there. And so when I, I remember hearing a fellow said one time, somebody said something like, well, listen, I'm just, I'm not interested in being wealthy. I, you know, I just want to have enough to get along. And he said, you selfish something or other. If you just have enough to meet your own needs, how are you going to meet the needs of others? Now we're coming into a period where the ride is going to get rough because the system is corrupt and God's going to spank the whole system right out in front of himself and everybody. And a lot of these people who think that they are untouchable. Remember we talked about this Sunday. The rich man's wealth, it says over in Proverbs, is a high fortress in his imagination. High, unassailable wall, but only in his imagination. Luke chapter 19. Look at, look, what, look at the attitude God has. Luke chapter 19, verses 24 through 26. You remember the story of the, you know, the, the five minas, and the, the two minas and the one mina and the guy that made, that took the five minas and he traded with them and he get, came back. He says, look, your mina has, your five minas have made five minas more. So he had 10. Well done, good and faithful servant. You know, you've been, you know, faithful over a little thing, enter into the joy of your master. So the one guy, the one guy that had just had the one comes up and says, you know, I knew you were a hard man. So you're reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. And so I buried your, your, your mina in the, the dirt. And now here you have, see, you have what is, your own, what is yours. And so the master said, you wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I didn't reap where you know, I rep, reaped where I did not sow. And I gathered, uh, you know, gathered where I scattered no seed. Then you should, if you really believe that, then you should have put it in the bank. So I could have at least had it an interest when I got back. Then he said to the bystanders, verse 24, take the mina away from him and give it to the one who has the 10 minas. And they gasped, <gasps> master, He's got 10 already. God is not afraid to bless you to the point that it offends the world. Amen. If he can, without poisoning and ruining you, he adds no sorrow to it. Are you with me? And he goes on to say, I tell you that everyone has, to everyone who has, more shall be given but from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Do you say that God wants me rich? Yes. But what is rich? Rich is an abundant supply. And that will vary from individual to individual. Does that mean everybody's supposed to be a multimillionaire? I don't think so. And I, I can tell you this, you can have all the money in the world and be sick and it won't matter. How many really rich people died in the last two years? Unable to fight this thing off. The best medicine you can buy didn't help. Did not help. The system itself is so corrupt that it's got to be shaken. And that's probably going to be scary. Why? Because it is 
systemic. I've said the day is coming when that which used to work will not work anymore. We're there. I have said that you're going to see dislocation. I said 30 years ago. It's going to get crazy because as God starts moving things around and putting things in the hands of his children, it's going to be considered strong crying and tears to the world. They're going to think it's the end. But God, amen. We have been prepping spiritually. Back in March of 2020, in April, March, April, May, when our very heavy-handed Jackson County government in Kansas City and even the mayor of Independence, among others, decided, you know, let's just shut everything down and we'll keep everybody at home 15 days to stop the spread or slow the spread. Yeah. You know what? Just to be honest with you, I don't think it's ever a good idea to imitate the Chinese Communist Party, which is exactly how they handled it. Well, let's do it the way the Chinese did it. Well, thank God we're getting past that. But can you remember going over to Costco because Costco was essential? And there wasn't a roll of toilet paper in that store anywhere. You know, and if you found some at Walmart, it's like people are getting on social media saying, the Walmart over here in Blue Springs has toilet paper. So it wouldn't last long. Then they started putting up signs, limit one or limit two, whatever it was. You couldn't buy paper towels. Hand sanitizer. Oh, my word. That you remember you remember seeing videos of of workmen out with spraying in public areas, spraying disinfectant, fogging the entire area. Now the CDC, and that doesn't stand for what you think it does, believe me, uh, it assures us that you're if that getting it off of a surface like that, you have a one in ten thousand chance. How many millions and tens of millions of dollars did we spend, uh, you know, waste on disinfectant? Don't even get me started on masks. <laughs> Toilet papers, or paper, paper towels, all kinds of stuff flying out the door. People were buying bags of rice, you know, and everything and preparing for the apocalypse. And I remember after it let up, we were, I was going out of Costco and there was a big sign that says, no refunds on sanitizers and wipes. <laughs> you know, and it was, you'd, you'd go into the grocery store and certain things on the shelves were just gone. And I remember there was, um, there was a, a, um, an article because I, I read a, a, a website that has, they, they pull lots of different articles off from lots of different places. And, and one of them was from the Organic Prepper blog. And I didn't read the article, but I do remember the, the title and the headline about laughing at preppers Who's laughing now? Remember the TV show Doomsday Preppers? And everybody used to watch it thinking these people are nuts and everything. Suddenly they seem pretty smart. Why? Because it's the end of the world as we know it. The fact of the matter is we should be prepping. We are prepping. But the most important thing is to prep. Should you have some extra cash on hand? Absolutely. Should you have some extra food in your house? Absolutely. Should you have extra batteries and things like that? Of course. We had rolling blackouts a year ago next month, even here in Independence, to say nothing of Kansas City. I talked with friends of mine this last uh, uh, July when we were down in Texas for a meeting, and they were telling me absolute horror stories about being without electricity in in. Uh, you know, degree, and for Texas, this is very, very, you know, five degrees above zero, three degrees above zero, two degrees below zero, and being without power for three days. Did you see that the snowfall and the cold over in uh, Turkey is so great right now that 
and it's so much in Iran, Turkey gets a lot of its natural gas supply from Iran. And Iran has had to curtail their sales to Turkey because it is so cold in Iran. So much for climate change. All right, it's changing all right, but not, it isn't going that way. And so many, many big chunks of Turkey are having to, they've got a rolling blackout. Three days a week, you have to be ready to do without electricity. So would it be a good thing? Could that ever happen here? Sure. Sure it could happen here. I'm not saying it will. I hope it doesn't. I wouldn't enjoy something like that. All right? Can you imagine we're all standing around here in church and they're going to have to completely retune the piano and everything and I'll be standing up here preaching and you'll see my breath. How many of you are coming? <laughs> Few of you. Sitting out there dressed like Eskimos. All right? The fact is, we must be prepared. And if our musicians would come, we'll bring this to a close. And by prepared, I mean have our theological heads screwed on straight in this subject. Jesus was not a broke, itinerant preacher. We will deal with the scriptures to which people point, And I will bring up the scriptures that refute all of that. I'll just give you a hint. How many of you have ever read the book of Acts? How many of you, have, how many of you remember having seen in there, and we sailed from Asus, and we sailed from Mytilene, and we sailed to Chios, and we sailed to, you know, Ptolemais. We sailed to, you know, there was one boat trip that Paul took that was at government expense, and the boat went down. <laughs> All the rest of those, those trips on the boat, Paul and his people had to pay their way. All right, so, you know, you just have to think about this a little bit, all right? We need to have our theological heads screwed on straight on this subject, as well as others. We must be doers of the word and obedient to the scriptures. We've got to stop looking at things the way the world looks at them. We've got to quit worrying about what the world thinks of us. We've got to realize that God's opinion is a whole lot more important. Yeah. We've got to stop adopting the world's attitudes no matter how noble it may seem. And our hearts have got to be pure. Our motives have got to be right. There is no better training manual than the scriptures. No better training manual. And it's all in here. If, we'll, if, we'll, if we will just spend the time to drill down, and we're going to do that. We're going to go through, we're going to go bug hunting, as I used to say, turning over every rock and seeing what's underneath it. And it's time to get real because things in the world are getting real. It's time to start taking the scripture very, very seriously and walking it out. And I realize you have been. This church is a miracle. We are a walking, talking miracle. We should have been gone a long time ago. Many, 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 many churches in this area, thousands upon tens of thousands of churches in the United States have folded in the last year and a half. They were already folding, but then when you know what came along, the rate trebled or quadrupled or quintupled, and you know, we have defied, I say we have, through the Lord, we have defied the odds. We have defied it. Has it been a, an easy thing? No. Has it been a lot of fun? Well, it, at times. But the best part is yet to come. The best part is yet to come. And we've got, you know, we've been training God's been putting character in us. How many of you know some characters in this church? <laughs> God's been putting some character in us so that as the world system breaks down, and it is, and believe me, a lot of it is planned by people who think they're going to bring in their thing, but they're about to slam into the God of heaven who says, you are not bringing this. And in fact, I'm dealing with you. You're going to see it. I promise you, you're going to see it. 
a lot of it's going it, it, to, it's, it's starting. I believe before the end of the year, we're going to see some crazy things happen. And it'll be obvious to everybody. So I submit to you, let's do this thing. Amen. Amen. Let's believe God because, you know, it's not about, I drive a 14-year-old vehicle. Actually, we've got another vehicle that's old enough to have its own driver's license. You know, would I like to have a brand new car? Yeah, but I'm not going I'm not, to, I'm not writing that check. And I'm not going to borrow the money. I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm still waiting on somebody to give me that Corvette. <laughs> Problem is you can't drive it half, you know, during this, you know. Well, what, yeah, there's the thing about that. Pastor, if somebody gave you a Corvette, would you drive it? Yes. What do you think people would think? And I'm not even going to put a sign on it that says, this was a gift. <laughs> and, you, you know, let them think what they're going to think because you're walking your life out before God. Are you with me? And if, you know, the, a lot of people have done a lot and they've sown a lot of seed and they're going to come into stuff they never saw coming because there are greater works ahead. Amen. Let's all stand. Those of you watching by web, thank you for joining us. If you do not know Jesus Christ, let me assure you that he is the good shepherd. If you want to know what the good shepherd looks like, his leadership style, where he goes, read the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Sheep do not lie down until they are stuffed. He leads me beside waters of peace, quiet waters, but literally waters of peace. He restores my soul. Think about that. He sets a table before me in the very presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, good shepherd, they comfort me. What an awesome promise. My cup runneth over. It is metaphor. God doesn't mean it's spiritual to sit there and pour the drink in until it flows all over everything. He's saying there's more than enough. Everybody say God's good. You know what? We got we to gotta believe that. And when we go up to the pump and we swipe our little card or whatever it is and it's $6 a gallon, we say, my God is supplying all of my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. When a, when a chicken breast is six bucks or a loaf of bread, how many of you can remember when a loaf of bread was a nickel? I can barely, but I can I remember as a little bitty kid being in the corner grocery store down the street from my grand, granddaddy Mac's uh, house. And I was walking and I saw these packages that had a five on the end of them. And I said to my dad, I said, what is that? And he said, those are loaves of bread. I said, I know that, but why is that, that number on there? He said, that's how much they cost. A nickel. You could walk over to the pop machine, open the top of it, and you could put a nickel in it, and you could slide a, a, a bottle all the way down and then pull it straight up through, take the top off of it, and then you could bring the bottle back, and they would give you, I think, one or two cents. They would prefer to give you bubble gum. Amen. I remember those days. In high school, I paid 33 cents a gallon for premium in my hot rod. You can't even get it for that in Venezuela today. My point is this, that no matter how they do, what they do to destroy your wealth, what did Jesus say? Where thieves break through, dig through and steal and moth and rust destroy. Don't put it there. That's what he meant to this young man. You will have treasure in heaven. And even though the Romans may come through and take it all away, you will still have resources because you have trusted me. Amen. And if you believe that the good shepherd is the shepherd you wish to follow, and I encourage you to do so, all you have to do is say, Father God, 
I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is your son and you have raised him from the dead. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Be my Lord and be my Savior. For with the mouth, with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The scripture says you shall be saved. And it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. I mean, literally, it does not matter because it says those who come to him, he will in no wise cast out. And if you're a believer and you've been nibbling at the edges, no more time to do that. No more time to do that. <laughs> I don't know why this just popped into my head. We've got just a little bit of time. Have you ever seen that movie? Uh, I think it was the name of it was Congo. And they're in an airplane that is going down. It is going to crash. And they're putting on parachutes. They've never jumped with parachutes before, but it's get out of the airplane or die, right? And Tim Curry, one of my favorite actors, gets in the door and he's playing a Russian. And he stands in the door and he turns to the guy behind him and says, push me. <laughs> and he said, the guy goes, uh, he goes, no, push me. You know, the guy goes, Mah! and shoves him out. Well, guess what? If you need a push, I'll shove. And you know people who are going to need a push. But we've got to get out of that airplane. We've got to get out of this thing. It's going, it's, it's going down. We have to get out of the world system and operate according to God's. And you watching by internet, if you're not, if you've just been kind of stirring it with your finger, get out of the airplane. It's going down. The world system, God's dealing with it. He's dealing with it. And he's, you know, all the, the world system sitting there with their great big feast on the ground and they're looking up and there's Jesus with his hands on the edge of the blanket. Wait to see what happens next. What a year this is going to be. We already saw it last year, this year even more so, the stuff of movies. If you would have told me two years ago we were going to be, and we're going to have the government we have right now, no way I would have accepted that. If you told our grandparents, uh, how did that happen? But God. But God, hallelujah. We hope this message has been a great blessing to you and has helped build your faith in Jesus. We encourage you to visit our app, Independence Christian Center, on your cell phone available from the Apple App Store or Android, Google Play. You can also find us on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, YouTube, and Facebook, again, under Independence Christian Center, or at our website, iccfamily.org, iccfamily.org. Our heart's desire here is to labor with the Lord in building His body. Until next time, may God's very best be yours.